Does it sound familiar? Do you think that they've been planning this for more than a couple days? What's next? Our great civilization has come upon a moment of reckoning. They already took your free speech. They already muzzled you. The wealthy got super wealthy. This is not about freedom or personal choice. And the average everyday American got used as a pawn in their sick little game. I'm telling you right now, you're a slave. You want to know what the biggest problem is in our country? You're an inconvenience to all of these people. Good evening. Another episode of Podcast. This is the evening episode. I'm your host, Jake Frejo, and I'm joined with our wonderful journalist, Ash Epps. How are you? I'm good. My last name is Epp. There is no that. S. I see that. I see Zach, that. Mr. Producer. You should know better. It's not my, this isn't my first rodeo on the show. How are you doing? We miss you. You're, uh, you're, uh, you're on I the am, other coast. I, you got to come home. I am. I am. I am coming back shortly. I have to do uh, some, some small filings here, but that's about it. Uh, we have a great episode, actually. Uh, the, yeah. the big border issue that seems to be uh, trying to be snuck through the back door is pretty much one of the largest scandals next to few others right now but as far as a complete disregard of the american people's national security interest by their politicians so we have we have a good lineup we're going to get into talking about china the connection to china the drug wars the cartels how many people are actually coming on and we even have todd watkins former cbp officer retired i think a year ago who is now running for candidate in i believe el paso county he is he's running Running He's for running sheriff. for El Paso County Sheriff, uh, and, and Todd is, is is the first person that I met who told me what a constitutional sheriff was, and how we don't have them really, and except in a few small small uh, exceptions around the country, and how we need to bring back constitutional sheriffs. So let's bring on Todd. Hello, Mr. Watkins. Todd, how's it going? Hello, Ash. Hello, Jake. Nice to see you. We got your name spelled right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> yes, there uh, is an so, S at the end of my name. Yes. Fantastic. So give us a little bit of update. Uh, from what we spoke about earlier, your your campaign for sheriff in El Paso County is actually progressing quite strongly, right? Well, if the, uh, if the results of the county assembly are any indication, yes. Uh, we took 63% of the delegates at the uh, county assembly and the my other two Republican opponents going into the primary petitioned onto the ballot. They, uh, yeah, well, because they knew that they weren't going to get the re so, uh, requisite 30 percent. To assembly. be clear on that, if they had gone the assembly route, right? So we've talked about this on the show before. There's two ways to get on the ballot in Colorado. You can go yes. assembly, meaning you appeal to the people, you campaign through the Republican Party, you get a certain number of Republicans Correct. to stand beside you and uh, you voted on an assembly, you can also get a certain number of signatures and petition your way onto the ballot. So at the assembly, the, the opponents that you faced at the El Paso County Assembly that happened last month did not receive 30%, either one of them, and neither of them would have made it onto the ballot except for this petition process. Is that correct? Correct, yes. There, there's a little bit of a kind of a 
Well, I, you could call it a hybrid, but I think that's giving it too much credit. Uh, the current undersheriff who is who is running for, for sheriff, he uh, petitioned onto the ballot. He got his, you know, thousand signatures. I think they're paying upwards of 25 bucks per signature to the uh, canvas companies that were collecting the, uh, the signatures. He did not he did not go to assembly. The the there were two others at assembly. Both of them petitioned one. His petition did not have enough uh, valid signatures, so he needed 30 percent. He got 14 percent, so he's knocked off the ballot. Uh, the other the other guy, he he had a good petition, but insisted on speaking at assembly, and he got 23 percent. So had he not that petition, he'd have been knocked off the ballot. So, I mean, the uh, it's not illogical i think to conclude that the only way that he would have spoken at assembly was to ensure that he had a valid petition so as to not be uh knocked off the ballot i i, I did not pull a petition i am a uh, a true people's sheriff if you will um i'm about as grassroots as you can be i'm not even sure that my grass has any roots um but uh yeah i i went straight petition i i appealed to the uh to the sensibilities of the of the people's representatives. And that's a theme so, that we see. Sorry, Jake, just one thing, because I know we want to talk about the border, but oh, this sure. is really, this is just, this is my wheelhouse, and I'm so fascinated by what's happening in, in the Colorado, No, it does. Colorado, it, all, right? it all connects. It all right? connects. Everything Todd's done and what, what is in Todd's message, is, that is the importance of, of now, and the, the, the proof that the only way out of it is through localities. So Top this down, is, yes. Working. Yeah, and it's a theme that we've seen with the grassroots candidates is that they went the petition and assembly, or not the petition, the assembly route. They went the route of campaigning, hard campaigning, real hard work. Roll up your sleeves, meet with the people there. I, um, you know, down in El Paso County, where where Todd is, they're having events almost every single day. Um, not Todd only, but the grassroots candidates, right? There's, it's very, very yes. active, vibrant um, political season for grassroots candidates. And then in comparison, you have people paying canvas companies $25 a signature to get their names on a ballot. So it's, pretty, it's a pretty stark Correct. contrast. And we see that all over the state. We saw the results of, at Assembly. You know, Ken Buck has petitioned onto the ballot. Um, and uh, and he lost to Bob Lewis, who was unknown. Ken Buck is my my congressman and arch nemesis um, because <laughs> I, I campaigned for him. And then he said uh, he's, you know, Dominion is awesome. Everything's great. We have the gold standard of elections. You guys are just sore, sore losers. And oh, by the way, we're not going to look at any of your evidence. So uh, so he you know, he th this is where the people are. Right. Ken Buck, when when we started this process um, after the election of, you know, really challenging the, the status quo in the Republican Party and trying to find the truth about the elections, people told me Ken Buck can't lose in the state of Colorado. He has so much power and he has the entire establishment behind him. He's too popular. He has too much money. There's no way. At the county assembly, Bob Lewis, an unknown floor nomination, took, I believe, 61 or 62 percent of that vote. The people are not with the Republican Party establishment anymore. And that is no... Nowhere is that clearer than in El Paso County with the, the grassroots candidates like Todd down there. I, I mean, if you even just look at some, if you, sorry, Todd, if you look at some of the rhetoric coming out for everything you guys have done, you know, events you've headlined, Todd, things you've covered, Ash, you know, I forget who it was that wrote the article, but saying Joe Altman and company is too dangerous because he's successful, he's winning, and therefore he's dangerous. So... 
Mm-hmm. You can't really put it any plainer that when you're when you're winning, you know, you have this evolution of attack, condemnation, attack, then trying to navigate it, and it, it's it's fun. You have to admit it's fun watching them self destruct and, and run their run their song and dance and just walk, trip over their words in the process. Yeah, I mean, we we're being attacked from within the party. It's not even oh, yeah. the Democrats here in El Paso that are attacking. It's 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 the Republican Party. I mean, uh, we've seen you know emails go from people who didn't have their desired outcome at uh, at assembly to elected officials asking them to join their army and to uh, defeat to 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 uh, basically cause political harm to their political rivals because we are an extremist, dangerous cabal of, of uh, right-wing fanatics. Project so, which? They, be, be, because, because of the Constitution. I, I, so the Constitution is now a radical document to even Republicans. I, I, I encourage anybody with an, who claims the R after their name to look at the party platform. The party platform is basically 65 pages of of the of the constitution it's just a longer version of the u.s constitution there about so i i actually you know i'm i'm not a a party politician kind of guy but um i read that that platform and yeah i'll stand by that platform absolutely well and the thing to remember is that to dictators and despots the 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 constitution was always a dangerous document Right. It restricts the power of the government. It places the power squarely back in the hands of the people where it belongs. And that's what they are. uh, That's what they're revolting against when they're revolting against the people's chosen candidates being on the ballot instead of the ones that they've groomed. Right. The the guy who the guy in the party whose turn it is when when that guy uh, gets upset and upended by a popular candidate that's coming out of the people, the establishment freaks out because that's not how it's supposed to work. Right. I mean, they're supposed to, we're supposed to watch their theater of left versus right and, you know, get all caught up in that. And when we change the game, they get real upset. (laughs) Before we we jump in guys, before, sorry, before we jump in guys, I need to remind everyone that this episode tonight is brought to us by AirMed Care Network. AirMed Care Network is a insurance coverage program if you enjoy hiking, live in rural areas, hard to reach by road. If you like to hike or spend a lot of time outdoors, health insurance won't always cover the cost of an emergency medical flight. But with AirMed Care Network, you're covered as little as $85 per year. Your whole household will be covered in case you ever need air medical transport. The bills can go up into the five figures, so it's something that's cheap. But like fire insurance, you don't want to use it, but when you need to, it's good to have it there. So if you use promo code DAILY, that's D-A-I-L-Y, you will receive up to a $50 e-gift card back when you sign up today. Do not, please do not go for the Amazon gift card option. Thank you. Take that down, Mr. Person. Thank you. So, as far as where I, I think all of this aligns, on the candidate side and just socioeconomic side, with, with the direction they're trying to take this country, Todd, having seen what you saw on the floor, you know, being stationed, you were in Texas, I believe, right? Yeah, uh, California, Arizona, New Mexico. I, I somehow avoided Texas. I'm, I'm not sure how I did that. But, uh, I, you know, I, I worked at our uh, national headquarters. I was a military liaison. So knowledge of what is happening in Texas is just, it's germane to the job at, at those levels. So, 
And, and so now that you've been out of that office for some time now, what is it? What I'm sure you still have friends out on the, in the field, mm-hmm. still involved. What is the conversation? Has is it been a whole year, uh, Todd? Sorry, Jake. Has just it been about, a year? Uh, yeah, just about a year, right? Congratulations on that. I think I'm six six weeks shy of my year anniversary of being retired. But hey, who's counting? Um, so I, I mean, I I like uh, most of my peers from my my generation of, of you know coming through the Border Patrol Academy. As soon as people are eligible to retire now, they're gone. They're leaving. They're, no one no one is staying. And and we were we are a very uh, proud uh, lot. You know, we're very proud to be Border Patrol agents. There's, there was always tremendous esprit de corps. We believed in what we did, and we were very, you know, well, pr- proud of proud of being part of this organization. No one wants to be part of it anymore because of what this administration is doing. Um, I, I mean, I told, I think from the moment uh, I, I met Ash, I, I'm done, you know, this this administration that came in is a this was a Marxist uh, coup. This is a communist fiat in our federal government and probably here at our state government too. And uh, I, I pledged, it. I I pledged to not wear a badge for this. For I'm not going to be an agent an agent of a communist government. And I was a federal agent. I'm not going to be an agent for this government. I would not even so much as change the ink in the printer to help this administration's cause along. I will do everything in my power that that I can physically accomplish to stop it, to thwart it, to 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 uh, to sabotage this organization. And you can't do it from inside the government. Ask former Border Patrol Chief Rodney Scott about that. They ushered him out, and now he is doing the same thing. He is he he will he will tell anybody and everybody, you're a border state now. Colorado, we're a border state. Yeah. Everybody's a border state because of what this administration is doing to the border. We saw it coming. Uh, I knew this was going to happen, and it's you know, I really hated being right about this. And so there was a there was a report that came out going. Uh, New York Post has been hammering this issue because they're you know right by JFK, right near all the major uh, you know five boroughs as far as the transit hub goes. And they've been there's a guy that's been tracking hundreds of thousands of people coming in on flights. I don't know if it's hundreds of thousands, maybe maybe close, tracking these flights that are coming in and they're privately chartered flights and they're touching down in the middle of the night. There's no manifest of yeah. who's on it. You know, there's no there's no records of it. It's some small charter company that's actually pulling its own, not necessarily chartered. The company is being chartered, but it's pulling its own planes from public service to use for. I'm assuming it's a government contract. Whoever's paying this, mm-hmm. and so there were some whistleblowers with inside that report that voiced concern that at a certain point they're feeling or fearing if they're in complete, you know, being complicit with human trafficking operations in that it's really the tail end. Spoiler alert. The you are. Oh, yeah. well, so, so what, right. do have, what do you, what do you think whole, on that? The, the U.S. government is complicit, is actually, a, if you look at uh, uh, Title Eight of the United States Code, Section 1324, uh, we are knowingly furthering the incursion of illegal aliens into this into the United States. That is that's a criminal charge. It's a felony. It's alien smuggling. There are many different um, 
uh, uh, pieces and subsections to various degrees and, and levels of participation in alien smuggling and, and facilitation and, and uh, sheltering and, and, uh, and uh, uh, aiding and abetting. But yeah, the, the government is. And I, I'd like to point out that there was a federal district judge in Texas named Hannon. H a n n e n. I believe it's e n. His I forget his first name, but he's down down in like I think like the might be the uh, San Antonio area where he was. But this was back during the Obama administration. During and I want to say he he issued this uh, finding in either is either 2013 or 2014. Essentially said the same thing when we were when we were watching all the uh, unaccompanied minors uh, come into the country. He essentially said that the United the United States government is fulfilling a a part of the a, a cog in the machinery of alien smuggling. We the U.S. government is the northern part of an alien smuggling organization. They don't have to hire drivers anymore. We'll do it. Hell, we'll charter a plane. Well, and, and bill us, and, and we're the ones paying for it. It's it's not just the yeah, just the payment, right? So so Todd uh, and I worked on an article about this in February of 2021. Um, it was called A Border Con Fit for Biden, and you can find it at ashinamerica.com. And the the most just morally bankrupt part of this is that mm -hmm. the cartels are subcontracting arguably the most dangerous and high-cost part of the human trafficking operation to the United States government. So... We're, right. we're making we're 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 enabling the last step, the part where they usually get caught, the part where, right? We, we've taken the cartels out of that and we've put the U.S. government in their place. It's it's essentially it's, yes. it's moral. It's morally bankrupt what we're doing well, at, the biter, at, at, at the biter at the border. Border, Biden border, same B thing. Biter. There's this there's this dynamic to you know if you look at the war on terror, right, and and the dynamic of the Taliban falling into the hands of the Chinese as a mercenary force to really, you know, as far as that region goes, the resources that the Chinese need. And then you look at that relationship, Taliban to Chinese, welcome, welcome them with open arms, walk away with $87 billion. So you, you've essentially hired your Praetorian Guard, your police force, and you have guys that are, you know, willing to fight against your enemy. For, for the past 20 years of occupation in, in Iraq and Afghanistan in that region. And so now you're looking at the southern border in the same sense that the cartels are, are siding with the Chinese because a lot of the government, I mean, the government of Mexico is so 50-50 corrupt or, or, or tainted with cartel influence that the cartel is the southern border Praetorian Guard for the Chinese agenda sneaking into the country. And it's not even, I mean, with, with the guy that's in the White House now, there is no sneaking. There's no need because he's he's your he's your guy. And it's Belt and Road, right? I mean, this yeah. is this is yeah. Belt and Road. This is the Great Reset. This is what we're we're living through it, right? We talk a lot about Klaus Schwab and Harari Noah, whatever is the horrible Klaus Schwab 2.0 guy. I can never pronounce his name, but I think a big part of it is because I don't want to. Um, but we we talk a lot about them, but they're not telling us what they're gonna do. They're telling us what they're doing, right? We're watching it. And I saw a meme the other day that said that you, you can't, it's one of those uh, Stephen Crowder changed my mind memes, right? And it said, you can't destroy the country this fast unless that's your goal, change my mind. And that's a great, we should set up a table and do that change my mind because you can't. 
this is intentional. Hundred percent. I mean, look, if there, Mr. Producer, if you could pull up A three. They're not. There is no covering anymore. Right. Image A three. This producer. This is actually Todd. You'll probably find this interesting. This is actually out of a DEA report that's still hosted on the .gov site. So this is titled the Fentanyl uh, Flow Flow to to the uh, United States 2019. And where does it all originate from? You know, it's coming in from the north and it's coming in from the south and it's going straight into the middle of the country. We had 100,000 people die last year from this. So there is no, there is no wonder. And, and the DEA is sitting there saying, or the, you know, the administration in charge of the DEA now is allowing this administration to, from the looks of it, walk away from Title 42. So it's just, it's a printing machine of money. That's and, and if you look at how they dealt, you can take that down, Mr. Producer. But the it's what was it's number direct, three? What city no, is um, number three on that image? Can you can you put that back on uh, number three? Or is it Kansas? It, pro- it looks like Denver. It does look like Denver. It looks Denver. like it could be yeah, it Denver. does. So straight in. So there is seven I mean, is what they, Phoenix. Stri- yeah, it looks yeah, like that. or or some part in Arizona. Yeah, probably Phoenix. They yeah, they just busted some guys in California in in Orange County, I believe. They had enough fentanyl on them to kill 4.7 million Americans, and so, then they had enough yeah. meth. They had an 800 pound bag of methamphetamine. That's like you're driving around with another car of meth. So yeah, sorry I know. if that, that number yeah, three I mean, is Denver, I had no idea. You know that we were having a conversation. I think we'll get into it eventually about the fentanyl bill that's going through Denver right now. That just it just I mean it adds a whole other layer to what's happening. Given that. That visual we just saw. But Sorry, Todd. Go ahead. It, it's winning a war without firing a shot. If you look at the cities, if you go anywhere, having been all around the country, every major city—Portland, Minneapolis, Washington D.C., Philly—go all across the country, and it's there's a junkie on every corner. What was FDR's line? A chicken in every pot. This is the consequence of that. This is the consequence of a government that made an, an approach to the people and the people took it. And this is, this is decades later. This is a consequence of government ruling everything and taking over every component of human life. You know, they, they created the crisis, they create the emergency, they create the solution. And at the end of the day, all we end up losing is just more freedom. Yeah. Nothing beyond that. Yeah. So from, from a, from a chicken in every pot to a crack pike in every hand now, isn't, the kind of the it's the Biden uh, yeah. effort, and that's not even yeah. uh, that's not even hyperbole, Todd. Right. It's really no, no they're literally the, funding that, right? Yeah. Well, I, I'm never a fan of crit- criminalizing addicts, right? I think that you know addiction is a terrible disease, and it is um, something where where we we need to put more resources into helping people. But we have, um, you know, the the addict on on every corner. We're not just talking about fentanyl use and abuse, right? We're not just talking about opiate use and abuse. We're talking about pills that are laced with deadly amounts that are coming in. We're talking about drugs that are altered with the intent to kill. You can't make an an, um, an argument otherwise. When you see the amounts that are in some of these, some of these situations, there was a, mm-hmm. um, last summer, a, a couple of brothers, good kids, you know, uh, real in there one of them was high school one of them was in college they were in uh down in the monument palmer lake area and went out decided to take an oxy 
It was laced with fentanyl, and they both died. This mother lost both of her sons because they were just going to take one pill, which shouldn't, in effect, kill you, right? And so the idea of rebooting the war on drugs and going after fentanyl possession without addressing China, right, or the, the other countries where this is being manufactured and manipulated and brought here in mass is just asinine. You can't, I mean, we're back to the war on drugs where we're going to punish addicts and we're going to ignore the supply chain and, you know, drugs won the war on drugs. So maybe it's because we're out of Afghanistan now. We need to reboot another 20-year war. I don't know. But if you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got. Definition of insanity. You can't wage a war on an inanimate object. You can't you can't fight drugs. You fight the people bringing the drugs. The there there's a definite source. There's a definite uh, uh, trafficking uh, pathway for it. That's what you go after. Uh, it's all it's it's going to it's going to Mexico either complete or in or it's manufactured in Mexico. I mean I think you'll find that almost a hundred percent of methamphetamine is now manufactured in Mexico and, and coming across our southern border. Uh, why wouldn't you send it to Mexico and bring it across? The, my my, my uh, brethren in arms are no longer there to stop it. So it, it flows in very freely. But we, we could fight the cartels. I mean, you don't even have to go so far as to if we can't if we can't uh, take on China, at least we could take on the criminal uh, organized organized crime in Mexico. And uh, put a humongous dent in this. Uh, Trump had an opportunity to classify the cartels as as terrorist organizations. He 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 hinted and uh, made uh, overtures that he was going to do it. Um, I don't know. I, I was very disappointed. They're, not, they're no different than ISIS. They're they're, they're, no, they're not. They're, no different than ISIS. It's the same deal on a different yeah. side of the ocean. Yeah, I, I was talking to a, a group of. Uh, people last night and the, you know, the topic of cartel came up and I, I said, if you, if you'd seen the, the images and footages that, that I've seen and, you know, people in my world have seen of what the cartels do and, and, uh, they, they, they are, they are sadistic, uh, inhuman, uh, sinister, diabolical, evil, uh, organizations. And they, they take great pride in the, the type of brutality that they exact. And they're very, they like to film it. It's it's very sick. It's twisted. Well, it's, it's, um, if you've seen it, I, I mean, it begs the question: Who came up with it? Did, did ISIS invent this? I think the cartels might have taught ISIS how to do some of the things that they do. There's nothing new under the sun. This kind of evil exists, and it's pervasive. And you have to ask the question: Why haven't the cartels been named a terrorist organization up to this point? This isn't new. No. Their evil isn't new behavior, and and instead we find um, you know obstruction and and a resistance to do that. Why? Um, well, we should start to look at what are the cartel influences in the seats of power in the United States of America. I think that would blow some people's minds. All all the all these illegal aliens that 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 we've encountered. Just start start you know the numbers that I sent you guys yesterday. Just and, and throw in the gotaways with that too, because because they're part of this this. Uh, the financial picture here, just use, we'll use kind of uh, middle of the road, probably a bit of a conservative uh, figure of $6,000 per. Now do the math. All those, all the gotaways, all the ones that we encountered, 6000 per, that's how much the cartels made on this. They are 
rolling in dough. The, well, it's it's you know billions, billions of dollars they're making over over a period of time. They I think they've made more than this fiscal year to date. You know the six the six months of this fiscal year than they probably did in the last two years altogether with the the amount that's coming through. And again, uh, they they used to. Well, we're pretty sure they when they when they would bring uh, drugs in, um, they probably went with a, a business model of we're going to lose about half of it. So if you say you're going to bring in, you know, you got a 500 pound shipment, they figure they're probably going to lose 250 to us. We're going to catch it at the border. It's going to get, you know, we're going to chase them. They're going to drop it, whatever. So if they get half of it through. That's their business model. They they kind of bank on that they're going to lose half of their product. Kids, they're not losing any of it now. Yeah. Not not any of it. Uh, the whole time I was in, I never once caught uh, cocaine or heroin or any of the hard stuff. It was never backpacked across the border. It always went in tunnels or deep concealed in vehicles through the ports of entry. They didn't backpack that stuff. We're catching fentanyl in backpacks now coming through the desert because it's wide open. It's, Why not? Just go. Right. It, it's. I think one of the things that the American public – via the indoctrination from the media does not understand is that the cartels are more powerful than the Mexican government and that it is an insurgent foreign uh, expansion coming through the southern border. That, that is their intention is to go and spread as the Moors did in Europe and that it's not just a, it's a rough neighborhood, guys. That's not the logic. I have some video footage of, of what is happening right at the border. Uh, Mr. Producer, if you could get that on standby, but it, it looks no different than a firefight in Fallujah or in, in the Middle East, and it's right on our border. So it's it's something yeah. that is sold, sold to Americans as you know Trump is riding around a horse with the border patrol whipping minorities. That's what is getting sold <laughs> to people, rather than saying, "Hey, there's a war zone here, and it's coming over." Well, and so you mentioned the the whipping, right? So that that was that came out. The the border patrol agents that the left clutched their pearls and screamed that migrants were being whipped in mass, and it was horrible and terrible. And the mounted border patrol agents needed to go away. We have to stop this inhumanity, et cetera, et cetera. False, right? They were all acquitted. Um, I sent that. I sent that to one of the one of the leftist reporters as a little bit of a troll, and his response was, "Well, I'm really glad migrants aren't being whipped." I'm like, how about the border patrol agents who you slandered and defamed and whose lives you upended, who had investigations and all this kind of stuff because of your crap lies? And no, there's just it's it's absolute, you know, nothing to see here. That doesn't look like anything to me. Yeah, uh, Jake, Mr. Producer, you know if, you could, if you could if you could pull up uh, a nine, a nine is is just it's just ridiculous. It looks like something out of when they invaded. Uh, to go after Hussein. Uh, A9.
Bring your pole there. Does that does that call duty? Does that look does that does that does look it. like cops and robbers? What does that look like? A fully armed? Was that was that was that cartel on cartel? Uh, no, that was uh, police on cartel. The the SUV okay, so was, that was, that was police uh, engagement cartel. Yeah, yeah. The uh, if that was within the last year, the the federal like the the policia federal you know the federales they don't even exist anymore it's uh, all garda nacional now but it's hard to tell which if that was uh, a police point of view or a cartel point of view because actually the cartel is probably better outfitted than than the uh, than the legitimate authorities it, yeah it is war it, it's it's full on combat you should see when the cartels go at each other it's like two uh, superpowers is they, they are, they are that well armed I've seen footage of the skylines from the, you know, American side of the border, yeah. and it, it looks like yeah, just you know, Operation Enduring right? Freedom. It's it, it's a full blown yeah. war zone. What do you do when you're making billions of dollars a year in cash? Well, you buy billions of dollars a year in military grade equipment, and that's what they're doing. And so and make when, sure when that you have that, billions of dollars coming in. Yeah, it's yeah, just it's just they're fanatical. growing the business until you become a government. Well, well, and that's well, their goal. Well, yeah, and it's, I, I, uh, I think the only reason that the cartels haven't uh, become taken over the government and, and, and proclaimed to be the government is that they're afraid Kamala Harris is going to come talk to them about the border. So that's that's a fate that, you know, I wouldn't wish on anybody. So I can, I can imagine that would that would deter me from wanting to do that. No, but they don't, I mean, they don't need to. They don't need to because it's it's, you know. For them, they're they're a shadow government, just like our own government. So it doesn't. It's more advantageous advantageous to them for all of the different, you know, whether they're brokering deals with China. That's a connection I'd love to get more into. If you know anyone, Todd is is what what is the financial connection more specifically with China, rather than just saying, oh, the fentanyl is coming from there. Like how much how much is the black market share being pushed through the southern border to destabilize and and. and all part of the 30, 40 year plan of the Belt Road Initiative. So, and, and before, you another answer, answer, I, I, before you answer, Todd, I think we have one more ad read to do. Okay. We are, I will remind everyone that tonight's episode is brought by IP Vanish. Tired of feeling like someone's always watching you on the internet. Maybe advertisers know a little too much about you, or you're concerned about the privacy of your identity. Using incognito mode won't always solve the problem either. IPVanish VPN is here to protect your right to privacy and help you stay anonymous online. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet without exposing your private details to third parties such as hackers, your ISP, or advertisers. You can use IPVanish on your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. When you use IPVanish, all of your data is encrypted. This means that private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. Now, IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting nine months for free. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you watch, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take back your privacy today with a brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. Again, let's go to ipvanish.com daily and use promotional code daily and claim your 70% savings. 
A lot of people here use IP Vanish. It's a great, great service. It uh, protects you in a lot of different ways that you didn't even know you need protection in. So please visit ipvanish.com slash daily, promo code daily, and you can get 70% off. Now, when we're talking about these these cartels being on par with the Taliban, being on par with an insurgent government, uh, Mr. Producer, you play A10. This is this is common. This is a common sighting in Mexico. I know guys that do security down in Mexico, and it's it's something to the extent of full-blown war. You know, the, the stress that they're under, how businesses operate under there. It's a fallen country, and this is what we're breaking. Wide open the doors for A10, please. A growing list of Democrats are warning the Biden administration that ending Title 42 is a horrible idea. That's the COVID policy, which limits a large number of people from entering our nation illegally. Democrat Senator John Tester says lifting it would only add to the strain on our broken immigration system. That's a quote. A Fox News op-ed titled Biden's Title 42 Immigration Decision yeah, actually take that down, a National Mr. Catastrophe. Bill Malusian. Do you have the hanging video? There's a one titled Cartel Hangings in the Drive. If you have that one, get that ready and let me know. A8, though, is something you should be very personal with, Todd, is that they're directly calling for hits on the CBP's head. So I, I have to ask you, is this a factor in why a lot of guys just walked away and retired and said, I'm not, I'm not, if my government can't protect me in my line of duty, I, I can't, I can't stand it. It was, I mean, we, you know, we, we'd always heard, uh, you know, through the rumor mill or, or, you know, there might even be something quasi credible where they would say, Hey, you know, the, the, uh, like when I was down in Southern California, the Ariano Felixes are, you know, offering, you know, $50,000 for a border patrol, a killing a border patrol agent. Um, I don't know that it ever really impacted our, uh, say, you know, career sustainability. You know, I, I don't know of anybody who, uh, who resigned, walked away because of that. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they would be coming after us now. <laughs> We're helping them. Um, they, that they, they, that would seem to be, uh, biting the hand that's feeding them as it were right now. We're, we're 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 facilitating uh, a, this a windfall profit has to be for them. Uh, so why, why would you do that? Uh, but I, I could see that as being maybe just you know one more straw on the camel's back of of why would I even stay there? It's we're we're facilitating the destruction of this country, and on top of it all, the cartel still wants to kill us. Clearly, no no one in this administration is going to help us out. Uh, the cartels traditionally didn't come after us, U.S. law enforcement, because we've demonstrated when that has happened uh, here and there in the past, we can shut that border down. Uh, you know, at the at the at the drop of a pin, which of course begs the question: Why why just don't we? Why can't we? Because uh, it's mean. We, we, you don't want to. We can't. We can't, we can't be mean. We can. We have. I, I saw. I saw it happen in, uh, in, uh, in, in California as while I was working out in, uh, in New Mexico. Uh, a uh, an agent was was murdered near, near the near the fence near the border fence. And uh, yeah, we uh, 
we put everything that we had, you know, in a, in a couple of zones and, and completely shut it, completely shut it down. It's it's generally been considered bad a bad business model for the cartels to uh, to go after U.S. law enforcement because of that because we'll shut the avenues down. Um, I don't know if that still holds true, but we're not really impeding their 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 profitability. So so why why bring that upon us? Um, and uh, but yep. you know the the flip side of the coin is would Bi- would the Biden administration have the same resolve to make an example of a criminal organization that attacks uh, you know federal officers? The Biden administration hasn't no. even visited the border. No, 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 no. They haven't been to Europe either, Ash. It's mean. I'm not, I mean, I know it's, you know, it's, but that's, that's the level of insanity that we're dealing with is I know that, you know, these cartels are trafficking humans and we're now immorally finishing the job for them. And we're bringing outsized amounts of drugs designed to kill Americans into the country. But if we close the border, it's mean. And, you know, Trump said, that there were rapists and, and criminals coming across the border, and that makes him mean, and that means we have no. to let everybody come across the border so that we don't hurt the feelings of rapists and criminals. Sounds yeah, sounds logical. Well, that is. But what I'd remind you, what I'd remind you is with it, the whole dynamic of what the Middle East was. These are the same people that had us in Iraq and Afghanistan for twenty years, and they got filthy rich off of it. Yeah. So for twenty years, you know, they 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 pull out of there and they go. And well, they want to start their forever war because it gives them a blank check to do whatever they want. So for them, this is this is global war on terror 2.0. And one of the things that there's this commonality when you look at how ISIS funded itself taking over oil fields, right? One of the biggest entities in Mexico and one of the biggest warring uh, factors right now is who has control over the oil fields of Mexico. Oh, and Mexico. so there's been this battle. Right. And so, but the, the government's trying to take it all over. I believe Pemex is a, is a private company owned by a, a large family, but I don't think it's nationalized. I thought, I thought it, uh, it was at least somewhat uh, reg- owned or, or directed by, by the Mexican government. Maybe, maybe not. Well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but there, there was a great documentary on Vice News saying that second to goal or second to a, cocaine and marijuana or third to cocaine and marijuana stolen fuel oil is mexico is is the cartel's number three uh, revenue generating export to the united states and how much ends up all across the country and so to write it off and to dismiss it and talk about it being mean this is on par with dismissing the atrocities that you know took place in the middle east under you know taliban insurgency and ISIS is, you know, the, the the uprising of ISIS throughout the Middle East. To say that this is about not offending someone's feelings, this is these are these are heavily financed, heavily capable armed forces, a stone's throw across the river. You know, so fast forward twenty years in global war on terror, they just evolved. Now it's at our front door. So. Well, and, and you know, you, you say, uh, I'm not sure if it's nationalized yet, right? And I think that we have, we have these kind of archaic um, ideas of totalitarian government structures that don't take into account 
the way that the modern world works, right? Don't take into account the role of NGOs, the role of um, you know these these public public private partnerships. I maintain that they're pushing for global communism, and I think we're already living in communism. You can say you can say, well, the government doesn't control the means of productions. I. I I call foul on that. You explain, explain the Keystone XL pipeline to me if the government doesn't control the means of production. How can you double my gas and make us take us from energy independence to energy dependence overnight with the stroke of a with the stroke of a pen if we're not living in a totalitarian government? It's, it's it, we're getting caught up in semantics while we're slow marching and much more quickly marching now to the gulag. Our, yeah. our southern border is controlled by cartels. Everybody needs to understand that. Right now, our southern border is controlled by cartels. The fact that there is even a border there is only because either the cartels haven't figured out that they could completely take it over or there, there's some benevolent <laughs> uh, bone in their body that, that, they, that they don't. I don't know why they haven't. They could absolutely own that uh, you know our border region they could own it completely but it is it is controlled by car by cartels 100 percent. everything that comes into the country is controlled by cartels 100 percent. right we and have so it's absolutely okay. no we have no say on it we are not stopping anything so who in the united states government is doing the united states side of negotiation in that exchange because that's happening. We, Everything is a negotiation. And the fact that they haven't fully taken it over and they haven't done what you said, there's a purpose for that. And it's not a benevolent yeah, cartel. That's not the purpose. No, no I, I, right? this, that was facetious, right? Of course. Yeah, I, of course it is. But this goes back to what I said earlier. I think it would make people's skin crawl to start to look at the relationships that our government have with some pretty shady bad actors, right? We see it on the foreign policy stage yeah. all the time. This is just another aspect of foreign policy, guys. Yeah, I, I so don't Todd, know before, who is making those arrangements. Before we get into uh, Ash's part, which is really kind of the the hypocrisy of the establishment and how they're trying to fight this nonsensical with uh, this nonsensical approach to fighting this you know plague of, of fentanyl in the streets, where you know we we see all these people coming in, right? And if the numbers are expected to surge, they're being shipped around. Where do they go from the point that they're picked up off the flight, they're dropped off, and who, you know, we kind of touched on it that we're the ones funding it. We're the ones, the American mm -hmm. taxpayers paying for this both in, in, in financial and, and socio, you know, decay structure with crimes and, and, and drugs all, all throughout the cities. Where are, these, where are these kids going? Where are these busloads going? Who's picking them up? Who's, who's walking them to, I mean, they're, they're not just popping them up a tent from Cabela's and saying, here you go, here's a, you know, here's a Snickers bar, thanks for coming. Uh, so I, I asked, touched upon, you know, again, the NGOs and the public-private partnerships, there's a lot of that. Uh, it it went, when I, when I left, it was uh, HHS, Health and Human Services, had that part of the, uh, the, the process, if you will. Um, and, and statutorily, that's the way it works. There's a, there's an, there's a piece uh, within HHS called uh, Office of Refugee Resettlement, ORR, that would manage all this. So they're essentially treating this as you know, a surge of refugees. Uh, we'll pro we will process them. Border Patrol, CBP will process them, uh, give them a notice to appear for, for an immigration hearing. And since we're not detaining anybody anymore, 
HHS would then make arrangements for these buses, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles to then resettle them someplace. Uh, I know some have been resettled, you know, in, in Colorado, in the Denver area, um, Florida, <laughs> they sent, they sent a bunch to Florida and you, you mentioned, you know, the New York aspect. I know there was a, there've been planes landing in a white plains, New York. There, there's been some, yep. some footage of that. Now, unfortunately, I'm going to claim ignorance on who's picking them up on that, on those ends and actually housing them. But I've got to think that it would be some of the charity organizations in those locations. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if local governments were somehow in involved in, you know, welcoming these people with open arms and, and, uh, and, faci- and facilitating their specifically housing. About the- Specifically about the kids, though, right? We think about the kids that come yeah. over, and it is HHS that, that does a lot of this. I spoke to a source who's in, in HHS yesterday who says they're ramping up for this again. They're ramping up to send people from yep. Denver and, and from all over the country, HHS employees, down to the border to process what they're expecting to be another massive surge. The, the, the folks that I have spoken with have dealt primarily with the children. Um, yeah. I know of a couple of HHS employees who came back from that tour uh, of duty in uh, at the border and quit their jobs because of what yeah. they witnessed while they were there. Um, but when we think about the kids, Todd, surely we're tracking what happens to them, right? Surely no, we're, no, we're, we're no, monitoring and, and, and taking their pictures and, and tracking their details yep. so we can make sure they're not being trafficked. No, for, for starters, 14 and under, we don't fingerprint or, or photograph. So they can be recycled, and they are. Um, I can, I know, and this is back from like 2018, 2019. This isn't even in this debacle. The earlier debacle that the, you know, Democrats in, in Congress uh, facilitated to try and monkey wrench the Trump administration. Um, I know of at least 12 that we, the Border Patrol, discovered of kids being recycled. So there's that. There's the, to, and they do this to to turn everybody, everybody gets a family. Everybody gets a kid to be a family member to be released because that was the, uh, that was the, the magic, you know, the golden, the Willy Wonka golden ticket was to uh, have, a, have a, have a family. You're not detained. You're not going to be uh, repatriated, re- removed from the country. You're just going to be, you know, pushed off into, into the United States because there's no place to detain families. And that would be mean anyway. Right. We can't be mean. So, so um, ice is, with this administration will not allow ICE. ICE is the parent, well, the sibling organization to Customs and Border Protection. So CBP, between the, the guys at the ports of entry that you used to call Customs, which is now Office of Field Operations, and the U.S. Border Patrol, we're responsible for basically securing that membrane between us and, and, and Mexico. ICE handles everything else, uh, the interior and the detention and removal of of all of uh you know non-citizens illegal aliens so they're the ones that would be even though we hand these these children or families off to hhs to be resettled or or uh, find sponsors for the kids to uh to be housed and, and maintained somewhere in the united states ice would be the one who would follow up on those uh on the legal proceedings because even the kids get hearings there's going to be a determination as to whether or not they can remain. ICE is not allowed to follow up on them because it would scare the sponsors because a lot of these kids are ostensibly being settled with family members who are here illegally already. Now, are they? 
are they going to families? Are they going to uh, reputable, decent sponsors? We don't know. We don't, I couldn't even tell you who was supposed to be doing the vetting for that. I suspect that would be HHS that would be doing the vetting for that. And I suspect that HHS is not doing any sort of vetting because it's, they don't have the manpower to do that or they were told to just not bother with it. So it's definitely a system that is almost seemingly by design available to be completely exploited for criminal and other nefarious purposes. So you mentioned that on the cartel side, they're pulling in about $6,000 per person getting them here. What is it costing Roughly. us? Is there a rough estimate? But that's for the cartels oh, getting the people here. Yeah. What is it costing us per, per individual to, to have them land here and get moved around here? Wow. Um, I, I don't know, Jake. Uh, I, I bet I could find out if you, if you let me uh, circle back. I'll, uh, <laughs> I can probably figure that out, how, how much that whole – businesses is costing right, to, to meet them. I'm working on an update I bet you it's article we did, so we'll put it in there for sure. And and when we get that yeah. piece done, we can put it up. Todd, do we have any idea on how many children go missing out of the system? So um, I believe that, and this was a few months ago, and I heard this in, in open source, so this wasn't, you know, unique access for me. It was over, it was 50, 60,000 that we'd lost track of. That's not, I don't know if you've heard a similar number, but it was it was around there. Um, fifty thousand. Fifty, sixty thousand. Quite honestly, I thought I thought that was low. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that we know of. And it's I mean it's not surprising, right? Because we don't track them, we don't take their yeah. information, yeah. we don't take their picture. Um, and nope. they're shuttled through all these NGOs, NGOs that are, you know, sub branches of Open Society Foundation and the Clinton Foundation and and Catholic you know, charities. Yeah. Uh, organizations with great track records on children, right? So, Jake, yeah, you and, mentioned. And, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Todd. It's a, none of those. None of those organizations had the the built in uh, manpower or framework to handle this level of a crisis of of, of literally moving people. So they had to quickly find, I don't know, a bunch of Uber drivers to take these kids someplace. That's well, that's all I can imagine that they did. And Jake, to your question, I do know that the HHS staff that are being deployed to go down to the border and process the influx from this surge, they get double time. For, and they go for multiple really? weeks. Right? Wow. So it's costing us a fortune. So you mentioned the war on, the war on terror 2.0, war on terror rebooted. It's also the war on drugs rebooted. And we see, um, you know, I was really surprised to see the Colorado Republican Party start to take a stand on something. They've been tweeting up a storm. They've all got their talking points and they're, they're talking up a storm. And before you get too excited, um, it's not about anything that the people have been uh, asking them to focus on. It is about this fentanyl bill. So they are trying to criminalize possession of fentanyl, getting it down right now. It's at five grams, trying to get it down to one gram. They say one gram of fentanyl can kill 500 people. And so they're putting all of their resources. We haven't seen the Colorado Republican Party since 2020. Um, so this this General Assembly, this uh, you know chair of the party, this establishment that we've been living with for the past year and a half, we haven't seen them put this kind of level of effort after anything. And they're putting it 
over they're, they're 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 putting all of their energy and attention around this fentanyl bill i don't know if it's just that they want to win so badly and they think this is something they can actually find compromise on but i was pretty surprised by the level of um just level of effort and attention that they're putting on this this bill to criminalize possession of fentanyl particularly because it does nothing to address the supply chain of fentanyl it doesn't address china and it doesn't address our southern border well, I think I think the greatest issue here is having spent time in New York, having lived in New York, I, I can direct even in downtown Denver. You know, it, it's one of those situations where until you're deep in it and you're around it, there's really one one root cause to the violence and crime and destruction of the inner cities, and it is specifically, you know, in, in a larger sense, it's the opioid pandemic, and now it's just being supercharged with fentanyl and so when these politicians are jumping on and now you know feigning interest you know whether it's it's you know half-baked efforts or whatever the you know sound you start hearing coming out of establishment people on this matter it's it's something that it's been going for three years you know the lead-up has been going i was watching new york decay overnight and now what do you have you have homeless people stabbing people on the trains all the time there's a massive mental health crisis and i think the real ugly picture that people have to accept is that our government has directly facilitated it. Our government, and so therefore, you know, what interest they have in stopping it because a broken, disabled people are the most usable or most compliant. You know, you, you ought, someone with a fix for a $40 high will do whatever they want or do whatever someone tells them to do in exchange for that fix. And that's, creating a voter for life in some sense. And that's what a lot of these establishment people, both on the left and the right, are, are banking on. So to wrap it up on this topic, what do you think happens, given your understanding of how dire the situation is at the border and the risk it poses, what do you think happens come May 23rd when Title 42 is supposed to expire? And just before you answer, Todd, oh, we, we just before you answer, we are as uh, as everybody I, I hope knows by now, we are on Lindell TV too. Uh, you can uh, buy incredible My Pillow products. I prefer the slippers. I don't. I never take them off. Um, with code CD one, you'll get great discounts on My Pillow. We are going to be finishing up and wrapping up the show on Rumble and our other platforms. But we'll say goodbye to our Frank Speech viewers. Go ahead, Cub. So right. when I, I was following the numbers daily, weekly, right up till till my my last day on the job in in May, and roughly speaking, and so this is you know the Biden administration had already ta taken over, and the uh, the Title Forty Two was very effective for us under with Donald Trump is we were able to expel single adults and families, right? So we were expelling children who had family members with them. We were able to do that. When Biden took over, he wanted, he tried to get rid of title 42. It completely, it, it, it failed a lot of pushback in Congress and uh, court court, the, believe it or not, the court up courts upheld the, that it stay in place, right? Because they're still trying to play that it's the end of the world with uh, COVID's, you know, the, the black death. So we kept title, title 42, but he did ratchet, he did dial it back and that we were only expelling single adults. So families, we weren't sending families back into Mexico um, under title 42. Roughly 
anywhere. I, I, I used, it, it would be fair to say, not too terribly inaccurate, I guess, that about if, if say on, you know, one day we caught 5,000 people, roughly 2,500, about a half of them we expelled. The other half were all, you know, children or, or families, right? So I would, I have, I don't have access to, you know, daily, weekly numbers anymore. I don't know what that population looks like per day, but let's just go with the half, right? Probably didn't change that much. Um, we're not going to expel those people anymore. We do away with Title 42. So, so do you think I, the Biden saying, administration caves or just says, do you, do you think there's any interest in showing to the American public, you know, we're, 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 I think we're all made up in our mindset as to what the administration is. So I don't really have to convince you guys, yeah. but for, for the average you know person looking at this, do you think the Biden administration even makes the attempt to throw a bone on this matter? Or they just say, no, sorry. You know, so we're just going to double down. So first, so first of all, when uh, Title Forty Two expires and it's going to be, they they set a date for it, didn't they? May twenty something or other. Twenty third, yeah, May twenty third. May twenty third. You and I know that. I assure you, everybody in Tegucigalpa knows that date also. Um, the 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 memo is out. I'm sure that there are already package deals uh, being circulated in. Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, and and for and further to hey, we're not gonna no more no more Title Forty Two, we're not putting anything else in place to to uh, to have some sort of consequence. Although I would point out that Title Forty Two, uh, because it's under public health and it's an expulsion, is not a consequence at all. It's not. It's just hey, it's kind of you know nothing personal. It's all professional, right? We're trying to protect our. Uh, our country from from a from a disease. It's not that you're inadmissible. That's really that's really important. We're not saying that they're inadmissible because of immigration issues, because of citizenship, because of passports, visas, nothing like that. Just say, hey, Title Forty Two, you you got you got cooties, so we're we're going to throw you back over the fence. That's all that and, is. And how, it's, how sad is it though that a, a health policy has done a better job at stemming illegal immigration than, than actual border policy, which that's the absurdity. Yeah. And yet they, they still want to feed this narrative. They want to still feed this belief that the next, you know, new variant or next wave in surge in COVID cases is right around the corner. So we can't ever let go of the COVID emergency status, but right. we can let go of the health policy emergency status that, you know, so it's, it's, it's watching the revisionary goalpost moving rhetoric being doubled down on coming out of the administration really, really leads me to believe that it, it's it's more of a cornered dog, actually. You know, you see it in Colorado, you see it mm -hmm. on the state levels. Mm -hmm. But what you're seeing is a is an injured, cornered animal trying to defend itself. And so I don't think it's the least or the last of the absurdity we see, but I think it is the final stages of a an injured animal. So I have a, a question so, that I'm not sure I'm not sure we can really answer. But you know, we saw that video. It looks like a war scene. It's just down on our southern border. Looks like it's Fallujah, right? But it's you know militarized um, interaction between cartels and and uh, between police. We have been reallocating, relocating, I should say, refugees 
from all over the world, most notably plane loads of, of mostly male refugees, war-aged male refugees from Afghanistan coming in and settling all over the United States. Um, boatloads and train loads and, and car loads and bus loads of people coming over the southern border in much the same way. And who knows about the northern border, right? What is preventing? And then, and then keep, keep in mind, you know, the defund the police crowd. And again, the entire overarching strategy of the uniparty, don't be mean, right? We can't, we can't be mean when we're at war and under attack. Um, what's keeping America from looking like that video? Uh, time. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's inevitable, right? It's, it's, just, it's just a matter of time. So uh, some, some quick math, and I'll point out the, that I, I, I avoided uh, uh, science. I have a degree in English and a degree in Homeland Security on purpose because there was no math involved. Uh, r- roughly, if we just go by the, the amount of time that has passed since within this fiscal year, just, you know, current numbers, if we've got uh, roughly 6,000 a day is what we're encountering. Right. And then you got to you got to throw on the uh, I, for, I forgot to add in the uh, the gotaways. Right. So let's just go with six thousand a day, six thousand a day. And we're releasing, I'll say, half of that into the United States. We do away with Title 42 kids. We're bringing in six thousand a day. And again, the memo is out in all those countries, uh, all these these alien smuggling organizations that are, you know, affiliated with cartels. They're they're doing their advertising too. They use they use Facebook. They use Twitter because they're not banned um, to uh, to advertise to their population of customers. Hey, come on, we'll get you up to the border. We'll get you to the border. You know, six thousand bucks ahead, roughly thereabouts, and uh, it's that number is going to grow. It's going to be at least six thousand a day, but it's going to be more because they don't they don't need to have the kids anymore because we're just releasing everybody we're just gonna we're gonna bring them in we're gonna release them uh we but doing away with title 42 this is the final uh chapter of you know dear world send your entire population to displace here to the united states that's that's what's happening it's going to completely destroy our country will not be recognizable. Uh, Jake's the, the the finance economics guy. This is not sustainable in any way, shape, or form. No. Um, and we uh, uh, you, the the Rome the Rome the Western Roman Empire at least uh, arguably ceased to exist because it couldn't control its borders. That the what's so sad and sick and disgusting about this is we can control our borders. I saw it. We had that border under control. We had that border under control. It was manageable. It was it was not the threat that it is now. Of course, you know it, when I was when I was there doing the job. Damn it, it's not controlled enough. You know we could do better at this. Looking at it now, comparatively, holy cow! You know what a what a what a difference a year and a half makes. And uh, uh, it's completely it's. It's 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 gone. It's eroded. We are going to demise as a nation, as a society, because we cannot control our own border. Well, I, not because we can't, because we won't. Let's of course be we really can. clear about that. We won't control it. This um, ends. You say three words to my to the people I used to work for. Three words of this all ends. Do your job, and and that's it. It's over. Well, we can. And we you can have to. 
Of course, of course, we can secure the border. Of course, of course, we can. These are not hard problems that we're asked to solve. The politics and the feelings and the the ideologies that are at play here make it complex. But you have to ask: Can you secure the the border and build back better? Can you secure the border and manage the decline? Can you secure the border and still bring about the Great Reset? Those are at odds with each other. And we oh, are absolutely. living in the midst of the Great Reset. You're experiencing it right now. Yeah, It's not a conspiracy it's, theory. It's, they wrote a book on it. And we're living it. it. And it's happening right now. And they keep telling us. But when you talk to a normal person, a normie person out there that doesn't, you know, watch... Watch internet news, right? Doesn't that, that still listens to CNN and their ten thousand viewers? Um, what what you get is well, that's a conspiracy theory. The Great Reset. Oh come on, nobody would ever go for that. No, it's it's. I'm glad that you that you tether uh, border security with all of the other uh, what I'll call more internal initiatives because they 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 are not they are not mutually exclusive for. The, for the cabal that wants to do this. It's, it is absolutely essential in order to achieve those other objectives to, to hobble this country and, and bring us to heel to, to this, whatever this globalist vision is, this Maoist vision probably, right, uh, is, yeah, we, we, we're going to have to sacrifice our own uh, national security. And, and uh, I know we the, the most obvious problem with the border is is the immigration part because we're talking about you know the the human trafficking um border immigration that's just that's one part of the border it's it's all this is a national security problem it's not just immigration it is national security uh, and we don't we don't have it i don't i if, if anybody speaks the words well i work for national security i think you should just quit um, because there there's no point in it anymore well national security is an is an establishment function and they have objectives i would argue they're probably meeting their objectives well that's i mean when i used to work for it the objectives were different but yeah it's uh it's definitely taken on a different tone uh, since January twenty eighth of uh, twenty twenty one, and that's you know but one of the reasons it's why I'm not sheriff's Not <laughs> no, no. It's it's very it's very kind and generous, isn't it? It's communism with a smile. Todd, we're we're out of time. We got to wrap. So I'd leave yeah, the last statement to you. What 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 cha- what can the uh, citizen do to change this? What you know, you're running for sheriff. What is the change that's available? in the face of this invasion. So our, our, our sovereignty does not belong to the government. It, it never did. It's ours. Whether you look at it as, as each of us as citizens, or maybe the better way to look at this is as a collective of, of sovereign states, which we were established as sovereign states united under the Constitution, right? You were the United States. We're not just America, right? It's the United States of America. So, uh, mm-hmm. in in that in that vein, each state is responsible for, or should be responsible for, its own sovereignty and protection. I think that the states, the many states, and the many sheriffs who believe in this, should uh, mobilize and secure our border. Uh, the, uh, the the United States government has violated the contract that it has with the people of this country. That the Constitution is a contract. 
and we're guaranteed protection from an invasion. We're not doing that anymore. It just just because the federal government who, who held that responsibility, claimed the responsibility for securing our border and safeguarding our sovereignty is refusing to act upon that doesn't mean that we as citizens in the states of this country need to sit here and be harmed and be victimized by it. We have a right, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, property, right? We have those rights, they are inalienable, and we should secure that border ourselves. The, the states should do it. I think, I think the state of Texas has every right to do that itself, as does Arizona. And honestly, all 50 states have, a, have an obligation to support those efforts to, to secure our country. At least we do that, we slow the decline. Maybe, maybe it then becomes somewhat manageable to where we could reverse course. But the first thing that we have to do is stop the bleeding that, you know, the, this very obvious hemorrhaging that we're having at our, at our Southern border. So where, where can people find more about you, Todd? What is your, what is your, your candidate or your campaign uh, site? Uh, Todd Watkins, uh, for for, uh, dot com. Awesome. Well, Todd, we're out of time. Thank you for coming on. Everyone, this is Todd Watkins, former CBP officer and now candidate for El Paso County Sheriff. Todd, Thank have a good Todd. night. We'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Well, Ash, we're out of time. That was a good conversation. That was, that was pretty in-depth. It you is. Know, you know, being, we, being, being mean component of the, the narrative versus the reality of a war zone is spilling over into our country for ten for the past ten years, free free and clear at the, the behalf on the behalf of the people that claim to represent us. It's it's a frightening reality that a lot of people need to pull their head out of the sand and see before it's too late. Yeah, you know when Todd and I uh, wrote that original article back in February of 2021, and I'm going to work on an update and get the updated numbers and kind of what's going on there. But when we worked on it, we pulled the original numbers and the prior fiscal year number that we were looking at was 150,000. And this doesn't include gotaways, people that, the, that were witnessed crossing, but they weren't able to apprehend. Um, we, we looked at the numbers in February of 2021 and it was 300 and between 340 and 350,000. So, you know, more than doubled and we were kind of freaking out, right? Like this is, this is a big deal. And this was February. So it was right after Biden took um, office and really what what we posited in that article is that when he was elected is when we saw the surge start right once once we knew the Trump era border policies were going to go away the migrations really picked up again but what we've seen now because I reached out to Todd yesterday to give us updated numbers and for the same same duration of time the the, the last measured period was 1.1 million and it's and, you know mind-boggling coincidentally coincidentally you give those numbers and you talk how how much they've increased the number of fentanyl deaths in this country had doubled since 2020 so yeah they're not mutually exclusive issues and you cannot deal this is this is any i mean it's it's uh it's pornography and uh, child pornography and trafficking and all of it you you cannot deal with a market, a black market issue by only going after demand or only going after supply. You have to deal with the entire ecosystem of the issue. And anybody that's not willing to call out 
the supply side of the fentanyl crisis to point the arrow straightly at China, at our southern border, at our terrible foreign policy um, is, you know, you've got to ask the question, why? And we've seen, you said earlier in the show, and I think this is just so spot on, they create a crisis and then they come in to fix it and they fix it, but they create a new crisis and on and on we go. This is the theater that we've been watching for decades. And the people are getting smart to it now. And, you know, it's, it's, it's unsustainable at a minimum. It's revolutionary uh, in reality. And so, you know, I, I, it'll be interesting to see this fentanyl bill hit the floor in Colorado. It'll be interesting to see if anybody brings up addressing the supply side or if we're just going to go, uh, go about criminalizing addicts for possession. Again, with a war on drugs 2.0, you know, drugs one. The war on drugs 1.0. So hopefully we'll do something different this time. Well, I, I expect you to come out with more articles on the state level matter because it's, it's really one of those things that is entirely underrated in terms of importance and threat that it poses to us and, and cities and communities and the next generation. They've, they've destroyed an entire generation and the future of it accordingly. So, Ash, we're out of time. I'm going to wrap and ask Mr. Producer to throw up the, the scripting since I do not have that one for where they can find us. But if you like the episode, please go to Rumble, subscribe. We're trying to break 20,000 followers. We have 17,000 and change now. And if you could go to Apple uh, Podbean, if you want to listen to us, uh, watch us, go to conservative-daily.com. Mr. Producer, you're jumping around with all the, the script, please. Thank you. That's Apple Podcast. Rumble, DLive, CloudHub, Frank Speech for video audience. And for audio audience, we have Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, uh, Tune Podbean, and Audible. We have since been removed from Twitch because we are too controversial. And on Telegram, before you leave on Rumble, hit the thumbs up button, please. Put some Smash that rankings. Rumble button. Smash that And share Rumble this button. episode. Share, share, share. And if you want to add yourself to the Conservative Daily News List and Facts Blasting campaign, sign up. Text FREEDOM, that's F-R-E-E-D-O-M, to 89517. It's, again, FREEDOM to 89517. I think about called all of it, Mr. Producer. Ash? If you missed any of it, if we're on a platform, it's at Conservative Daily. I don't know. Jake, are you on any socials? You can find me on Telegram at Ash in America, Ash with an E in America. You can find Joe at Joe Joe Oldman. You really should. We did just get approved on, 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 what is it, Truth Social. So Conservative Daily on Truth Social is now is an approved account, and you can follow us and engage with us. So we're getting that fine-tuned. Well, Ash, again, we're out of time. This was the evening episode of the Conservative Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Frejo. And I'm Ash Epp. Ash Epp, best journalist in Colorado. Well, until next time, we'll see you again. 9 a.m., I'm sorry, 10 a.m. Mountain Time. And 4 p.m. Eastern. Or Mountain. (laughs) We're on at 10 a.m. Mountain Time and 4 p.m. Mountain Time, hey, Monday through Friday. We screwed up the whole, and, uh, screwed up the whole time thing. Because at of Conservative Frank's Daily on any platform that we're on, it's at Conservative Daily. And, uh, yeah, check it. stay tuned. It's going to get a heck of a lot more interesting this year as we head into the primary season. All right, give me an official sign-off, and I'll sign us off. Sign-off, Zach.